Hey, welcome to the Bear Ash Podcast. Thank you for that new innovative intro, Manny. Oh, yeah. Wow. My kids' toys are all over the place, and I needed a new instrument. Nice. Well, it's good to know that your kid's toy will go back into the house smelling like smoke. <laughs> the th- uh, that's third hand protein <laughs> oh. exposure. Is that There's a- residue on something, and then you touch it. I hear that third hand's worse than first hand. It typically is. Yeah. Well, hey, welcome once again to a wonderful, the, probably the most wonderful podcast you'll hear. Yeah. Um, we're going to do things a little differently tonight. We're going to uh, dive into the world of pipe smoking. Mm. And pipe making. And pipe making. More importantly for me. Yeah, we did notice a little trend. We did one other episode on smoky pipes, and it seemed to be our most popular episode. So we figure we'll just give you what we want, you know? Got to give the fans what they want. That's right. Yeah, or maybe there were some people looking for plumbing um, podcasts, and they accidentally got that episode. Yeah. It's a possibility. Um, also, we never mention our Instagram name. <laughs> we wanted to give a mystery for a little while. <laughs> so... We're, we're back on Instagram. We're not banned. Uh, it's at Bear Ash Podcast. And also, that the uh, obsidian, the guy who was making ashtrays out of obsidian, yeah, um, I couldn't find his hashtag anywhere. I was pretty sure that his uh, Instagram name involved obsidian ashtray, but I can't find it either. I searched everything. I, I went through all of the people we followed just to give him a mention, and I can't find him. I think he got banned like we did. Yeah, maybe he just blocked us. That's possible. <laughs> well, his loss. Mm-hmm. His loss. Yeah. What are you smoking? Yeah, so I, am, uh, I just lit up a pipe, or lighting up a pipe, I should say. I'm going with matches as to not bother everyone's ears with the constant sound of a lighter. Mm-hmm. I can give a quick rundown of some of the topics we're going to cover. Yeah. That would be the pipes we're smoking. Uh, they are both handmade pipes by me. M. Rivera Pipes. <laughs> and they're actually duplicate pipes. So they're identical, or I mean pretty much identical, um, Morta pipes. So they're made of Morta, which we'll get into. It's a petrified bog oak. And they're in the shape of a, they call it a nose warmer cutty, which is a very, a nose warmer refers to a very short pipe because you're like burning your nose. It's so close, like a real tiny one. And a cutty is where the bowl is slightly canted or angled out away from you. It's yeah. a straight stem. And this one is called the Devil Ants Hatfield. Made popular by Kevin Costner in the... Uh... What was what was that special call? Was it Hatfield, Hatfield and McCoy? You history buff. Well, I didn't know what the special was called. I know what the family. It was called the Hatfield and McCoys. Yeah, it was like a three series special that was on the History Channel year. I don't know, four years ago, five years ago, with uh, Gary Sinise. Yeah, worth a watch. Worth a watch. But uh, Kevin Costner does smoke a pipe that uh, I think, he, according to what I've read, he picked up at a. They filmed most of that in Turkey. 
and he picked up it like picked it up randomly at a uh, Turkish smoke shop, and then smoked the hell out of it. <laughs> so we're going to be covering. Series. I have I have some interesting details about that story too, and why that's very popular now. That specific shape of a nose warmer cutty, and they call it the Devil Ants or the Devil Ants Hatfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to be covering making pipes. Um, what are some things you would need to get started? What are some things you'd want to look for? What are some cool tools that are involved or could be involved? Yeah. Also, when you're actually buying a pipe, what to look for if you're ever in the market for an artisan pipe um, and some of the aspects that go into that. Because a lot of people uh, scoff when they see a price point of like $600, right, for a pipe. And they would say, well, that's very beautiful, but why are you paying that much money? And it is worth it. If you're into it, and I, I, we're going to get into all those details. Yeah. Yeah, well, I am currently smoking my Morda Devil Ants pipe that was made by you. Um, I think that we shared, I think I shared the story in our last episode of what this pipe went through when being left in an ashtray and then the ashtray that got filled <laughs> up with rainwater. But, I mean, this yep. pipe smokes fantastic. That's amazing that it survived, like, just marinating in water, in ash water for several days. Well, as we'll get into, I mean, it's not the first time this wood has been marinating in water, so. Hmm. That's true. Yep, yeah. Yeah, but I am smoking an Almondine. I typically buy my pipe tobacco. Since I've been here in Virginia, I buy all of it at, kind of exclusively Old Virginia. They have a pretty good selection. Um, and I have shout out to flavor. Old Virginia Tobacco, holla. That's right. They have a flavor almondine, which is a fairly aromatic flavor. It tastes a little bit like almond or amaretto, little raisins, you know. Yeah. So it's interesting. No, no, no. It's, it's just leaves. it's interesting. Don't interrupt me. <laughs> it's interesting how much of a correlation there is with wood and carpentry and tobacco yeah you've got because because think of how much wood and using proper wood and curing wood goes into supply and demand for tobacco so you've got spanish cedar a specific kind of wood used for humidors which keeps cigars at the proper humidity um aside from the spanish cedar those are usually wood um you know or a laminate then you have Excuse me. I'm drinking a Rohrbox Scotch Ale. Delicious beer from Rochester, New York. Then you've got um, the rolling material for cigars. It's all made out of wood. Yeah. All the box press stuff. Then you have briar, burl, and all the wood that is used in the creation of pipes and pipe smoking. Now, you can have other materials for pipes. You can have... Um, so there's different types of wood. There's briar, and that is from the root burl of the briar. I think it's a shrub or a tree or somewhere in the middle. It grows around the Mediterranean. Um, and that's the most common material for use in tobacco pipes. It's a very dense wood with a very pretty grain. Um, it doesn't really burn. Um, it develops a carbon layer because it is so dense on the inside of the pipe that it makes for a good, long-lasting smoke, uh, yeah. smoking pipe. Then there's meerschaum, which is a type of stone. It's like a real porous stone. And when you get it wet, 
um, you can carve it. And so this is really popular out of areas where that's mined. Um, they're, I mean, they, they, you can get them all over the place. And they're very affordable. And some advantages to, I, please, I could go on and on for hours about the Clearly. different materials and how they smoke, right? Yeah. Yeah, I really could. <clears throat> but the Meerschaum has some, has some advantages and some disadvantages. Disadvantages, you really don't want to get it wet because it does become extremely fragile when it's wet. Um, you also don't have to break in a Meerschaum pipe. There's no need to develop a carbon layer for a Meerschaum pipe to smoke well. And by that I mean a carbon layer that builds up in a wood pipe, like a briar pipe, builds a layer of carbon, which they call cake. That layer of carbon insulates the cherry burning in the tobacco and keeps it lit um, and makes for a better smoking pipe, which improves the flavor. The cake itself doesn't really add to the flavor, but it makes the tobacco in there smoke better. In a Meerschaum pipe, there's no need for that because it is so porous uh, a lot of the con a lot of the condensed moisture from the tobacco that you don't want going in your mouth that would normally be absorbed into the cake um, is absorbed directly into the meerschaum. A, a meerschaum pipe ages over time and colors. It kind of turns like a yellow, dark the more you smoke it, and that's because it is porous, and so it just keeps on absorbing the color of what's going through it, the tobacco. Hmm. And then there's even clay pipes. Um, I have a couple of those, um, and those are pretty straightforward. They're not like super great smoking, but I don't feel bad just emptying a bowl early or giving it to somebody. I have a few old-fashioned style but newly made clay pipes that are all one piece. Um, they're pretty affordable. It looks like they're just kind of stamped in a mold and then kiln-dried and shipped out. Um, and then there's corn cobs. Oh, I was just going to say you forgot a very important one. <laughs> don't you ever think I forgot that. <laughs> I'm looking at one right now. I got a few pipes in front of me, um, and I'm I have. Well, let me let me talk about corn cobs first. So those are, you know, you, you think you know what they look like. They're pretty easily made. You can actually make one at home pretty easily. Um, they're very affordable. They smoke pretty good. Um, they're just a good all-around knock-around pipe, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you could get fancy, but a corn cob pipe has. Um, has a shorter life than a briar pipe, for example. Yeah, it'll burn out a lot faster. Yeah. One thing I do have to say, what kind of what I've used my corn cob pipe for is tasting like a couple of new tobaccos, because I do feel like you get a lot of the flavor out of a corn cob pipe because it is so airy. And I was going to ask you, as I have never smoked, or neither do I own a Meerschaum pipe, do you get a similar experience since it is so porous that you get a lot more of the? Uh, the flavor coming through in the tobacco. Like I feel like corn cob pipe does that because it's kind of breathing a lot more, burns a little faster. Am I wrong in assuming that? Um. Well, here's what I would say. I would say if you want to, I, I think you're right that a Meerschaum pipe makes a great pipe to taste tobaccos in because it doesn't require it to be broken in. Yeah. So it doesn't give you, okay. So when you're smoking a pipe tobacco, there's moisture in it. Yes. And as it goes through the stem, that hot smoke and hot vapor cools, and so you get condensation. Some pipes have a chamber, like a Peterson has their, I forget what it's called, the, uh, I have one, I'm looking right at it. But it has a chamber inside the shank, and basically it's meant to collect the condensed moisture so that the smoke going into your mouth is dry, 
and and cooled down. Now, all Petersons and don't have that, correct? Not all the Petersons have that. I was going to say, I don't think mine does. I think they call oh, they call it the Peterson system, I think, actually. And oh, you can yeah. buy things that go in that chamber, um, like balsa wood or filters, things that collect the moisture, mm-hmm. um, and then you would change those out. In a pipe that's just like a straightforward Meerschaum pipe, um, it does a really good job of absorbing um, all the excess moisture so you don't get, like, the wet gurgling and you don't get, like, the the liquid dripping down into your mouth, mm-hmm. which is pretty gross. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why Meerschaums are good. I mean, any, any, any pipe will gurgle if you smoke it too fast or if the tobacco is too wet. But I think that's why you tend to, like, throw in something in a Meerschaum because it always smokes like a really good broken-in pipe. Yeah. Now, Manny, I do know that you were going to be talking about, as a pipe maker, you're going to be talking about what goes into making a pipe. But uh, are there some things that can be done or taking into account when someone is hand-making a pipe um, that you wouldn't get as much moisture buildup in some pipes versus other pipes? For you instance, mean like what goes into the engineering to reduce that? Yeah, well, I do notice that I'm smoking the Devil Ants pipe that you made. Mm-hmm. And it's very rare that moisture builds up regardless. I mean, the tobacco I have in it is probably a little bit dry. Even after it's been sitting in a bowl of water. <laughs> well, I mean, I let it, I let it dry out for a while before I before I. <laughs> you didn't you didn't try and smoke it and dry right it away. Out. Yeah, kill and dry it. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. But uh, I do notice because I do have some cheaper pipes that most likely were just slapped together in a factory factory, and those build up a lot of moisture, in my opinion, yep. at least. Yep. Um, a lot of, so this is where I really could get super nerdy and talk about which drill bits I prefer, um, fractions of an inch versus this fraction of an inch. Basically the concept is, um, if you want to, you you want to do one of two things, you either want to encourage the development of condensation and then collect it somewhere. Yeah. Or you want to have a turbulence free airway. And by that, I mean you don't want any gaps, you don't want any divots, anything in the airway from the tobacco chamber to your mouth that makes, you know, if you picture air flowing through it, fluid dynamics, come on, everyone remembers physics, right? Mm-hmm. You remember physics, right? Mm-hmm. Anytime there's a little deviation in that jet stream, it creates like a little whirlpool. And that whirlpool is, ex- is increasing the, the surface area contact of the moist air to the cool surface of the airway and so you get bubble uh driplets there forming so you want it to be as smooth as possible without any turbulence and you so for example when you're drilling the mortise you want that tenon to sit without any gap um, right up against the end of that mortise that you've drilled so you want it to be like a perfect fit yeah um, you also do things like use tapered drill bits so there's not big transitions from one size hole to another. You want everything smooth um, just to decrease turbulence as much as possible. So in the pipe that you have, because it's identical to the one that I have, and I am I have mine right here. By the way, this Morta Devil Ants I had for sale, and I'm deciding to keep it for myself. That's why I'm Ooh, smoking it today. As you should. It's a great pipe. I haven't lit it yet. Um, but I intend to in just a little bit. I wanted to have it so I could talk about it, so I'm pulling it apart. And I can see I have the tenon in here made of a material called Delrin, which is similar to Teflon, and I actually glue that, without getting any glue in the air chamber, into the stem. And then that Delrin 
is my tenon that fits into the mortise of the shank of the pipe. Um, and it's always like a really smooth, friction-free, uh, friction but tight fit with that Delrin. Um, in here, it's a really tight fit. There's not yeah. going to be a lot of gaps between the end of that tenon and the mortise. Um, these are drilled well, so the the airway hole is right at the bottom of the tobacco chamber, right at the exact angle you want. And then um, a lot goes into the creation of the stem, too, that contributes to it not gurgling or making a lot of condensation. And I have, I have cheap pipes. I mean, I have pipes that are just the, the molded stems that I have had from a while ago um, where I used to order the kits a long time ago. Yeah. Um, th hey, listen, they smoke fine. I've modified them over the years, but, hey, pff, you know, they'll smoke all right. Really, if you can spend 30 or 40 bucks, you can get an okay pipe. Really, ideally, you'd want to spend anywhere from 75 to 150 in my opinion, if you're yeah. serious about getting into pipe smoking, to get, like, a quality pipe. It's a good even starter pipe. you're taking some risk because well, you never I, really know. I say that's a good starter pipe, but I, I would honestly say a... Uh, if you can find like a $40 pipe, that's a good starter pipe to see if it's even something you want to get into. $40, $42 maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe $41.50. So we've mentioned Morta as a material also that pipes are made out of. We have. And by the way, I'm having a cigar while we're talking right now. Cause, oh, uh, what, are you, uh, what are you smoking that we're not reviewing? <laughs> what I'm smoking that we're not reviewing is a Drew Estate Factory Smokes Sun Grown that you gave me. Oh, I feel like that is a cigar, by the way, that we need to at some point review. Yeah, it'd be good, man. It's helping me think. It's helping me. Uh, it's guiding my, my thought through this pipe-making show. Oh, yeah. Um, so Morta is really expensive. <laughs> I think I did the math once. We figured out like a six-foot two-by-four, if there was such a thing, would be... Even if they could find a, an entirely intact two-by-four of this stuff... About a thousand dollars, nice. If not more, so it would be beautiful. Um, Morta is petrified bog oak, so it is oak that has, uh, you know, fallen in mud in a bog, and has been sealed oxygen-free in mud, muck, or peat for. Uh, I'm not even kidding. Like. I think these are 5,500 to 6,000 years old or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I have to look it up again. But these are from the Ukraine. And I bought the the Morta Wait, these are from the Ukraine? from Steve Norse. Shout out to Steve Norse from Vermont Freehand. So At wait, Vermont got... Freehand, if you're on the Insta. So wait, you got this this wood. This I mean, you got it from him. But I mean, this is technically from the Ukraine, you said? Yep. I so feel like I've find... been a liar for the past, like, three years. Why? What have you said? Uh, for some reason, when you made it, I was thinking you said Croatia. Oh, maybe you're right. Oh, all right. So I wasn't a liar. I was going to say, I've been telling people, yeah. I mean, I even brought this pipe with me two years ago to Croatia to be like, you're back home. <laughs> hey, you guys recognize this? Does <laughs> yeah. it look familiar to anyone? You might be right. I'd have to go back and look. Now now I'm now I'm bummed because I didn't write down what country these are from. Oh, uh, well... I can edit. I can edit the Ukraine out in my voice. I'll just say Croatia. There. That's not how I there. sound. I'll just. I'll, all right, fine. Croatia. That's better. Yeah, much better. Croatia. <laughs> there it is. 
So whatever it is, um, they have a method of extracting these logs that are usually buried, you know, four feet down-ish in the in the bog. Yeah. And if you just pulled it right out and let it dry, it would split and warp, and it would be ruined uh, because it's been sitting down there for so long. So they actually they dry it very slowly in a controlled environment over a long period of time to prevent the warping and splitting that normally would occur. Yeah. Um, and it's... So it's petrified, partially petrified. It's not quite black. It's got like a real dark color. There's no stain on this, but it looks like a metallic color. Yeah, and I did um, throw um, a picture of yours up on our Instagram too. So if anyone's well, uh, listening to this and thinking, what's he Yeah, what is he describing? Just take a look right there. Yeah, and there's some really cool Morta pipes out there. Yeah. Um, and this will be my first one that I own that I'm keeping for myself. And I don't think there's any kind of finish you could do on a Morta pipe other than maybe a sandblast or like a some kind of carved finish because there's no stain that will stick to. I mean, it's dark. It's so dark in color, you, you wouldn't stain it. It's um, also extremely it's a, dense too, right? It's very dense. It's heavier than briar. Um, it's really hard to work with, actually. It was It was really tricky for me to learn how to carve this material. I ruined... Oh, probably three blanks to get the two pipes that you have one and I have one. Mm. Um, it chips very easily. It gouges very easily. And it does not um, buff to a shine. It will always only get kind of like a satin finish, even yeah. when you sand it to 2,000 grit. Which looks awesome. I mean, every time I've smoked this around pipe smokers, I get compliments on this pipe. It is a beautiful finish. So, Manny, um, quick question. Mm-hmm. Have you smoked this, my, my Devil Ants? Have you smoked Have the I... Devil Ants style pipe that you've made yet? Uh, in Briar, yes. Oh, so you have smoked your style of Devil Ants before. Yeah, I smoked Adams. I was going to say, this is probably one of my favorite pipes just because of how it smokes. Now, mine obviously is the Morta, but the Briar ones that you've made are, in my mind, significantly lighter. Um, I'm sure in weight they're not significantly lighter, but when you put it in your mouth and just kind of have it there, you notice you definitely can notice the weight that comes along with the Morta versus Briar. Oh, um, you notice the weight when you put it in your mouth. But anyways, <laughs> um, what I do love about this pipe is how it just sits in your mouth. I mean, you can kind of just put the bit like kind of on your back teeth and just let it sit there. And since this is a gnome's warmer, I mean, a ton of that smell, fragrance... And yeah, depending on the, back, the tobacco you're smoking, it just goes right up your nose. Makes for a delicious smoke. Yeah. And the Morta, because it is a lot heavier um, than the Briar, this is a good like size to have it in, like a nose warmer, because it's so small. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, I'm relighting. Oh, don't apologize. I thought I was relighting, but the wind just blew it out. I, just as a warning, I will most likely get the sniffles at some point in this episode. Because I'm going to humiliate uh, you? No, I'm not going to be crying. But uh, the temperature is quickly dropping out here. I'm sorry. Oh, my mom keeps texting me. Hold on. Tell her I say hey. <laughs> Stop texting me. <laughs> um, I was wondering if you could share your experience trying to obtain... Before we go on about pipes... You tried to get a hold of some Spanish cedar, no? I did, yes. 
to um, make a humidor or a feature of a humidor turns out to be not so easy. No, not so easy at all. I have, uh, I think I've mentioned a buddy of mine who purchased a humidor that, you know, mind you, it is a humidor, but it's a, it's a electric humidor. I believe it also, I mean, I don't really know a lot about the humidor, but it's basically, imagine like a small wine cooler, right? Like a little wine fridge, but for cigars. So the only wood that's involved in the process of building this humidor is the drawers that are in it. And the drawers that he had gotten, unfortunately, were aromatic cedar. And I'm not going to go too much into that story because I'm pretty sure I've already talked about that. Um, instead of Spanish cedar, which is very important because aromatic cedar has a lot of aroma. It smells like, you know, like you'd think of a, uh, well, I guess a lot of people don't probably have cedar closets nowadays. But, you know, it's just, it smells. It's strong smelling. Think of like wood chips that you know, maybe you would have put in your rabbit's cage as a kid or something silly like that. Maybe your beard oil, you yeah. hipster. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, that kind of cedar would have that smell. As opposed to Spanish cedar, I mean, it has a smell to it, but it's very, very subtle. Um, so anyways, he tasked me with building new shelves. Um, and in the process of trying to get a hold of Spanish cedar, um, I did order some online that came. And sure enough, it was aromatic cedar. Even though it was labeled as Spanish cedar. Um, so I sent that back. Uh, and then I did reach out to a pipe maker who has made a couple of pipe cabinets, um, a couple of humidors. Um, I think you and I both follow him on at least Facebook. Uh, I don't know about uh, yeah, on Instagram as well. But uh, anyways, um, I kind of just was like, hey, I'm just a shot in the dark. I'm just going to see if this guy you know, happens to have some, some sp uh, Spanish cedar laying around. He said he did, but then uh, for some reason, um, he just never got back in touch with me for me to order it through him. So <laughs> at one point, he had asked me how much I needed. I told him the sizes that I would need, like minimum, and then we never talked after that. So yeah. I ended up finding some, actually, at, um, we have a couple of, oh, what is it called? Is it Woodworkers Club? Man, those pipe makers are so unreliable. It's right here. But uh, I did find some at like a hobby, like a hobby shop here in the area. Um, Woodcraft, that's what it is. Uh, found quite a bit of it, but it is really hard to find. Like I've thought about building an actual humidor, um, but I would have to definitely find a connection that you could order bigger pieces. Because the biggest I could find was I think like five inches wide by half inch thick, um, and that was the biggest. And those were maybe thirty six inches long, so nothing that you could build a sizable humidor with. But uh, it is kind of difficult to get a hold of Spanish cedar based on everything I've looked at, at least in Attempted. Mm -hmm. And just as a heads up, for some reason, my computer is giving me an involuntary order that it will restart in 13 minutes. I feel like this happens often with your computer. Yeah, I don't know, man. We'll see what happens. And I feel like it never actually happens. <clears throat> just make sure you download the clip <laughs> yeah. in 12 minutes. I'm going to do it now, too. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get rid of this, and it won't go away. Well, um, so where was I about wood? Oh, Briar. Chase, you know how I love giving you quizzes. Yes, I do. I and mean, you know how I love failing those quizzes. I do. Do you know how Briar is procured and then stored and cured and dried? I don't at all. Oh, at all? No. Oh. I mean, I know that it comes from the root. The root burl, burl, burl which is like the, the central big, big 
fat mess from which the roots go down. My guess is that they have to take down a tree and dig up the root. That's correct. So I've got that much down. You got it. Um, and I honestly, I don't know, like I don't procure my own briar. Like I buy it from Steve Norse at uh, Shout Out Vermont Freehand. Um, and I think he curates it from the Mediterranean region. But from what I understand, yeah, you dig it up. Um, you cut off, you know, the branches, the extra roots. You just want that burl. And then I believe they boil it and then cure oh, it really? in a controlled. What's that? Boil it. Yeah, you boil all the resin out. Um, and I've done that for applewood, too, to make applewood pipes. I boiled the applewood to get all the resin out. Um, that resin will smoke harsh, and it will not be as pleasant as if you uh, boil it and then seal it and then let it dry slowly. So they do that with briar, and uh, once it's been dried properly, then they cut it up and grade it and sort it and ship it. Yeah. And there's different grades, there's different countries, um, so you can get it from Italy, Spain, um, where else? Where Croatia. Al Algeria, Croatia, anywhere that, that neighbors the Mediterranean Sea, um, you can get this. And... Plateau briar refers to briar that's on the edge of the burl, so it has the fanciest grain, the most pronounced grain, and usually has like a little bit of the bark on the outside to show that it is an outside piece. Um, Abishan briar, which is spelled like Yubicon, but whatever. Abishan briar is from the center of the briar burl and um, tends to have less consistent grains, um, and that tends to do better for less expensive pipes or pipes that aren't going to have a smooth finish. So they're not going to show the grain, like something that's rusticated or sandblasted or whatever. Yeah. Um, and what makes, so when you're, you, you hear someone has like a grade A or grade one pipe of theirs, I would hope that that means that they have discovered a piece of briar, partly by chance and partly by curation, that has zero flaws in it, meaning... Um, Zero, like, uh, pits, no holes, no cracks, no crevices um, on the finished product. You definitely can't have any blemishes inside the tobacco chamber. That's a no-no. Yeah. Um, mind you, I will smoke pipes that have <laughs> blemishes and flaws inside the tobacco chamber, but I would never sell one. Yeah. Um, and the reason why you would never sell one is because that has the potential to eventually burn through. And the reason why you would get these little in imperfections are um, grits of dirt, sand, or rock that are then, uh, like, the roots grow over it. And so it kind of seals that in as a little packed-in section of sand still left in there. Um, yeah. And that can create cracks and discolorations and things. So if you have, like, uh, a really nice piece of briar, has beautiful grain... The shape that you have chosen as a maker matches and goes really well with the flow of the grain. Um, and at the end of it, everything has come out great. So you have a great stem. Everything has come out perfect. And you have no flaws. It could, you couldn't have asked for a thing to work out better. That's when you have your grade A, you know, grade one pipe that is going to sell anywhere from 600 to $2,000, depending on who the, who the maker is. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, so what, what people are paying for with something like that is the, the quality of the, the briar and the wood finish and the whole finished product. 
um, as opposed to like a hundred and fifty dollar pipe. If you if it if you don't see any flaws on the outside, I've seen this too, where they they use wood filler on the outside to just um, hide any imperfections. <laughs> I've even seen wood filler on the inside of a bowl, like on the inside of a tobacco chamber, where someone took sawdust and wood putty and just smashed it in there, which you definitely shouldn't smoke. Yeah. So I'm that's just, that. I'm just looking up. Looking up, uh, not the gentleman that I just said never got back to me, of course. I wouldn't want to blow his spot up. No, the guitar maker? No, no, not yeah. I would not want to blow the um, Grant Batson guitar maker whatsoever. Oh, oh, my, sorry. But, I mean, we can say whatever we want about his... Uh, his failure to get back to me on, honestly, something that was probably a big headache for him in the first place. He was probably just doing me a favor because I did kind of say, love your pipes. I don't currently own any, but I would love to own one in the future. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, he does have his own grading system, which I think is, is kind of, I mean, some people would think this, I, I personally think sometimes it's a little extravagant, but I, he is one of my favorite pipe makers to follow. See the work that he does, uh, but he does have pipes that range anywhere from four hundred dollars, um, which the grading is four hundred to five twenty-five is what he considers simple pipes. For price, that's a price. Yeah, the next grading would be his artistic and adorned pipes at five fifty to eight hundred dollars. Uh, his next grading doesn't have a name. Oh no, it does. I'm sorry. Uniquely exquisite. Um, both smooth and sandblasted at $800 to $1,500. Pirate grade, in quotation marks, it's a little thing he came up with, um, <laughs> is, um, he says, see my grading system. Oh, he does go through the grading system. Consistent pursuit, an, ex- an elusive anchor mark. I, um, all right, I'm not going to read all of this, but basically it's a perfect pipe. Um, and that goes from $1,200 to $2,000. And then he does have anchor grade, which is $2,100 and up. Wow. Yeah. So let me, let me just put this out there. I don't <laughs> – I'm not, as a pipe maker, anywhere near uh, the experience or quality that you're going to find with some of the other more uh, popular ones like Grant Batson. But question like if I were for to charge, you, If I were to charge $2,100 for a pipe – uh, I don't know why I would do that. I don't. I, I, it's not worth it. It's diamond encrusted. <laughs> yeah, you give that um, pipe as an engagement ring. So I'm speaking as someone who's mainly a hobbyist, who's probably made I don't know somewhere around fifty pipes total. Yeah, but Manny, come on, you make some good pipes. Give yourself a little credit there. And, hey, and, man, and I, part of as a pipe maker, let me ask you this, Manny. I'm not going to read okay. through his grading system. I'm trying to think of the nicest way to say this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in case Grant Batson ever decides to listen. He won't. He shouldn't. Um, yeah, he, no, he shouldn't. I mean, I would probably, yeah, I'd lose a little respect for him. Yeah. Um, but on a quote-unquote anchor-grade pipe, right, let me just read this really quick because I think it's important as it's 2100 and up. It says, early in my pipe-making pipe endeavor, I created my high-grade stamp, which I dubbed the anchor-grade. I had made a pipe that was hands down the best pipe I had ever completed. I decided it was worthy of a distinct mark. As my quality and trained eye have continued to grow, my standards have continued to raise as well. 
What I'm looking for in a pipe that would bear the anchor mark is near perfection. I've now made hundreds of pipes and to date have only made a few anchor grades. These are rare and special pipes. Now, as a pipe maker though, to make a quote unquote anchor grade pipe, right? Mm-hmm. That would basically be like a pipe that could have very easily been, you know, an artistic and ordorn pipe for $550 <laughs> that just didn't have any flaws as you're going through the process of making it, correct? Are you saying like you could make a pipe of that quality by accident? Oh, uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> just like I mean, the pipe I... that you intended to be a quote-unquote anchor-grade pipe, couldn't you very easily that just become a, the cheapest pipe you sell because of something that you might find? I mean, I think about right. times that I've hung out with you in your shop and you've been working on a pipe and all of a sudden you just stop and you're like, oh, man... And then sure enough, you came across, you know, some spot to where when the, when the briar was growing, it picked up a grain of sand or picked up a hunk of something. And then all of a sudden, this perfect pipe just went downhill quick because there was a flaw in it. Well, that's what I was going to say. I don't think you, could, you should ever plan to have like what you would call a grade one, grade A or anchor grade pipe. I think that's just kind of what happens. Because you also, you could make other mistakes too. Like, um, so I... Well, we can get into it if you want, but a hand-cut stem yeah. uh, is probably the most tedious, <coughs> for me, me, at least, the most tedious and involved process is actually making the stem from rod stock. Yeah. Uh, whoops, I hit the mic. Rather we'll than buying a pre-molded one. And in something like that, not only would you have to have like everything come together and the button be perfect and everything drilled perfectly in a perfect fit and... Uh, like no flaws on the stem uh, and then also everything's perfect and no flaws on the pipe and the shape that you picked and you went with goes you know perfectly with the grain i mean it's just i would i would think that if your your highest grade pipes as a pipe maker are never something that you're going to plan to achieve it's just something that ends up happening that is, yeah. that is what i would say i guess here's a real question manny if I'm thinking of someone who, now, mind you, I'm a novice at making furniture. But I remember talking to someone who was not a novice at making furniture when I first got into it. Um, and he was making, you know, dining room tables that were selling for $6,000, you know? Like nice custom furniture. Golden um, tables? Yeah, no, no, just all out of wood. But one <laughs> thing that he had said is just remember one thing. If you ever build a piece of furniture, or, you know, you could say the same for like an artist or for anyone who, you know, works with their hands. But if you build something that, like, you finish and you're just like, I love this so much, just, you're better off just keeping it and not selling it because, you know, chances are you're not going to make that again. You know, if you're, if you're a craftsman, it's not like you're working the, on a factory to where everything's made exactly the same. So do you think that maybe this started with him just making a pipe? He's like, I really like this. So, you know, yeah, I'll put it up for sale for, like, two grand, hoping that no one buys it. Because <laughs> he wants to keep it? <laughs> and then, boom. <laughs> First, first uh, ankle or uh, anchor grade pipe sells, and he's like, "Yeah, I guess that could be a thing." <laughs> well, I'll answer your question, and then please be prepared because in fifty-seven seconds, apparently, my computer is going to restart. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, I, I, so for me, I, if I make a really great pipe, I have almost no desire to keep it. Like, I don't know. 
if I made it, it's almost like it's not as valuable as if I had someone else's real nice. I don't know why it is. I, yeah. I, like if I made a pipe that nice, I wouldn't necessarily want to keep it. I, I wouldn't mind it going out to someone else. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of the pipes you've made have been like someone has said, this is the pipe I want, and you made it. So even if you did make one, you're like, I really like that. You're like, well, this person commissioned me to make it. <laughs> So I got to give it to him. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna keep a commission pipe. Like, Actually, yeah, I don't know, something happened. <laughs> disappeared. I broke it. <laughs> I broke it. Here's your, here's your money back. <laughs> His blowfish design, um, it kind of inspired a couple of my pipes, and uh, ooh, a little inspiration I, for M Rivera. It, that's right. If you were to look uh, on my Instagrams or my website. Which and is emreverapipes.wordpress.com. Um, I mentioned his design of the blowfish pipe as being an inspiration for one that I think I called like the snake or something like that. Mm. Um, anyway, very cool. And he's a guitar maker, so that's cool too. He is. He, and I don't know, I'm pretty sure you've seen that pipe cabinet that he made for a customer. Oh, yes. That was pretty stinking sweet. Oh, yes. Yeah, he's got good taste. Yep. He actually offers pipe making classes where you can go and stay with him. He will put you up and feed you and it's like a five day course on how to make a pipe. I mean he doesn't like spoon feed you in bed like he <laughs> No, he pipe feeds you. <laughs> <laughs> um on that note, who are some other pipe makers that you like to follow? Well, Okay, there's first of all, there's a ton of really good pipe makers out there, both hobbyists who happen to sell theirs, like mine, to guys that have their their own, you know, small companies that churn out artisan, quote-unquote, artisan-grade pipes. Um, some of my favorite pipe makers right now at the moment, although there are so many, is there's Dan Knopp, K-N-O-P, of Lucky Pipes. And I'm looking at his web page, or I'm looking at some of his pipes now. He just has a great classic style of, um, like a billiard, uh, Rhodesian bulldog. Um, I just I like his styling. I like the finish of the sandblast pipes he's done. He has good taste. Yeah. Um, uh, someone who's fairly new to me, who I'm a huge fan of, is actually a female uh, pipe maker named wait, Sabina wait, wait, Santos. Wait, wait, Time out, time out. All right, Sabina Santos. But you make that sound like that you think oh, a woman can't make pipes. That's not at all. I'm just saying. What should have watch come it, across watch your in tone, my voice. Okay? Uh, let me ask you, uh, Chase, do you know any female pipe makers? Yeah, Sabina, Sabine Beam. No, I mean, do you know biblically any female pipe makers? No, I don't. Okay. Well, I don't think it's a surprise. There aren't too many. No. Um, so I was—I actually became a fan of the pipes before I realized who the pipe maker was. Um, but yeah, Sabina Santos is out of Portugal. And Chase, I'd recommend you checking out her site. Particularly, I really like her calabash pipes. Yeah. They are awesome. And... I have no idea how she drills those. I mean, yes, there's a way to drill them, but she's she's great. However, she figures that out. My favorite though, yeah, took me forever to find his freaking name because his Instagram is all Chinese symbols, 
Yeah. And I couldn't get like the translation feature to work. I, I even copied and pasted the symbols and couldn't get anything. It took me forever to figure out who this guy was. Meanwhile, like, you know, he's liked a few of my pictures and I've liked a few of his. His name out of China is Lu Zifeng. And mm. so L I U Z I F E N G, Lu Zifeng. Um, he's, he's a Chinese pipe maker that's kind of hitting it off with the U.S. market lately and definitely my favorite pipe maker. Just phenomenal taste. I would recommend following him on the Insta. Um, but yeah, he's awesome. Nice. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I think I mentioned in our last episode we talked about pipes was I, I'm a fan of Boswell. Um, although I don't know that he is making pipes anymore. He kind of disappeared out of the pipe market. Um, and I also do like Boswell. I mean, sorry, not Boswell. Yeah, Boswell. So that was Mark Balkovec was the first one. And then also um, Boswell Pipes. I believe that's Tim Boswell? Uh, J.M. Boswell. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, Tim was a good guess. Jared Boswell? <laughs> I don't know his actual... I mean, we're not like friends. But he's a pipe maker out of Pennsylvania. He has a shop. He also has a, um, let's see, I've got his website up here right now. He also has a smoking lounge in, oh, I, I, don't, I don't remember where it is. I'll have to get back to you on where his pipe, his, uh, his smoking lounge is. <clears throat> but anyways, I've been there twice, uh, just trips that I had in the area. Um, uh, but oh, Chambersburg, PA, and Alexandria, PA. I believe the one in Chambersburg is the one where he has his shop that he works out of. But uh, but anyways, um, I've been to his shop twice for the purpose. Once I was like, I'm gonna buy one of his pipes, and I was in the neighborhood uh, on just a trip, and um, they were closed. And then the second time I went, they were also closed. So <laughs> so I oh. struck out twice. It's about cool. a two-and-a-half-hour drive here from the D.C. area. So, But uh, I do like his pipes. I believe his son also works for him making pipes as well. I was looking because I know I've seen his, I think it was his daughter was up in a couple pictures. So I was going to say maybe that was another female pipe maker that we could give a shout-out to. But Why she got to be that. female? Well, I'm just saying. You said there weren't many. I'm trying to, trying to help out the cause, you know? What's the most you've ever paid for a pipe? And does Ooh. your wife know? She does. Um, uh, ee. The most I've paid, like with money, because I do, if I remember Not with favors. No, not with favors. Well, I did make a trade to you um, for this mortar pipe. I believe I made a piano bench for your wife, and then you oh, yeah. gave me the mortar pipe. That's so, true. But that, that's probably my nicest, priciest pipe I own. Um, well, because s- what would you have charged for the piano bench? A buck fifty? No, probably at eight hundred minimum. Eight hundred thousand? Yeah, minimum. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, that was that was an anchor grade piano <laughs> bench right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, at first, I thought that it was just going to be a regular, just you know, plain grade piano bench. But at the end, I decided. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> it was worthy of the anchor. That end product. Just joking. That's going to be an $8,000 piano bench. (laughs) I changed my mind. A painted poplar piano bench. I believe you still owe me 80 pipes to pay for that. (laughs) Um, But uh, So not counting that pipe, probably my most expensive pipe that I've purchased 
Uh, most of my pipes I've found at estate sales, which is a great spot to find a pipe. Um, I've also found some unused pipes at, uh, I guess there's technically an antique shop. There's an antique shop up near you called The Shops on Westridge or something like that. Hey, don't give away my location, dude. Um, you already talk about everything in the Rochester area. Yeah, but now they're narrowing it down. <laughs> oh, so, uh, so anyways, um, most of my pipes I've gotten have been cheap, discounted. Um, even a couple Petersons that I've gotten, I've gotten at great pipe deals or great you know, deals that they've had at a local smoke shop here, Old Virginia Tobacco Company. They do a couple of those a year. Um, I think they do two Peterson um, uh, like exhibits, and they always have a deal during that. Um, and then, yeah, so my, my next most expensive pipe, though, is probably 150 and that was a Balkovec pipe. Nice. I mean, I've, I've come close to, I mean, by come close, like, I've thought about it. Like, I haven't actually been like, I'm going to drop the money, but uh, to a couple of Grant Batson's cheaper end pipes. But, you know, still, they were like 600 bucks, and I was like, I can't do that. I know. Well, that's what got me into pipe making in the whole first place was I, I liked tobacco, and I'd smoked, like, a corn cob here and there. And I was like, man, what are people getting when they're paying $400 or whatever for a pipe? I was like, I at least got to try that. <laughs> What's that about? And so I knew I couldn't afford it. This was in college. This is how I got into it. Yeah. I just wanted a high-quality pipe and didn't know what I was getting into. And I ordered a blank that was a blank pipe that was drilled but just not shaped and fitted with a stem by Tim West out of Ohio. Yeah. And I, actually, I think I ordered like two or three blanks, and I thought that I would be able to use like a my little whittling knife. <laughs> I've made my that little mistake buck too. Yep. Oh man, was I wrong. Yep. Now I, I'd even like practiced uh, whittling. I'd got some pieces of pine and stuff just to practice and i could make pipe shaped things out of that with a knife but briar is totally different yeah so shortly after shortly after buying those blanks which were i don't know eh, probably 15 20 bucks a pop i uh i saved up and bought my first ever little rotary tool for carving yeah but yeah and uh <laughs> my first 10 pipes at least maybe 15 pipes were not what I would consider, excuse me, high-grade pipes. Yeah, that's what's fun about making pipes, though. Like, I've made a couple. Um, a couple were kind of, I don't want to say mistakes, but ones that you had started on and then I took it over. Um, I don't know if you remember one that I kind of finished for a buddy of mine was a blank that you had drilled out, or maybe we had drilled it out, and then I used a stem that you had inlaid with a piece of maple, I believe it was. Oh, I remember that one. Um, but I have gifted a couple friends and family with pipes. And like I just ran into one of those guys recently, and he was just like, hey, I smoke that pipe all the time. Thank you so much. It's awesome. And mind you, I mean, the quality of... So for me, as a, I am a carpenter, but I'm not a very patient carpenter. <laughs> so I think the pipes that I've made, I've gotten it to, which we can get into this a little bit more, but I've gotten to like... I don't know, maybe 800 grit sandpaper. I'm like, nah, it's good enough. <laughs> Let me rough it up a little bit, and then uh, that'll just be the look I was going for. Um, but I think yeah. part of it, too, uh, is Making just... a pipe well is very tedious. Yeah. Yep. Because, I mean, you could sit there, well, as you know, and sand it like crazy and still have little marks from the sandpaper. 
<laughs> that you're using to sand it? The worst? Oh, the worst? Okay, so we can talk about sandpaper grit all day. Don't get me started on sandpaper, bro. Yeah, I was I'm trying not very to. very passionate. I was trying not to get very you started. Very passionate about No, 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 now I'm going. Now I'm going. <laughs> I'm all fired up about my sandpaper. This is the opportunity for anyone who's listening to just go get yourself a drink, maybe a meal, <laughs> maybe do a little grocery shopping and then come back. <laughs> Hold on. When you get to like 400 or 600 grit, yeah. um, things start to smooth out. And it's oftentimes when you realize way back at 220 or 320 grit, there's still a big scratch in there. And you think, well, I'm on 800. I'll eventually get through that. <laughs> you never will. Nope. You'll never sand down with 800 grit to get out of 320 or 350 grit scratch. Nope. Which means you have to go all the way back and start over at that grit until you smoothed everything out and then you move to 400 and then 600 and then 800 and then 1000 and then 1200 and then 1500 and then 2000 well and the hard part is that you don't necessarily notice every scratch as you're going through that process until maybe you're already up to like 500 or 600 grit and you're like oh crud <laughs> oh there's been some where i don't even real i don't even see the scratch until i'm buffing it and finishing it <laughs> and i realize i have to go all the way back. That's to when you grit. realize is he has to sell it for one fifty. <laughs> no, that's when the price goes up. <laughs> this pipe's three grand because <laughs> I kept on having to go back and fix the scratches. Got eighty hours and just sanding. <laughs> oh, I think that is something that people don't realize when they look at. I've got a couple buddies who wanted to get into pipes, yeah, you know, smoking pipes. That is not making them. And they do say, like, I don't know, like, again, I can't imagine spending a couple hundred bucks on a pipe. Um, which, first of all, I recommend that they don't, that they start off with something cheap. Yeah, um, not at first. Yeah, not at first. But as you get into it, first of all, you're not going to get a piece of art, you know, that's, you know, $150. I mean, realistically, you're not, you know. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but also at the same time, when you, you know, if you're just smoking pipes, yeah, like I even think about, um, one of my wife's cousins was in town this past week and he was talking about switching over to pipes for a little while. Um, and he was talking about the money he was saving in cigarettes. So, you know, if you're going to get into something like pipes, and if you're using it to replace something else, I mean, you could always weigh out the cost of what you were smoking before and say, well, yeah, like, sure, this is a $200 pipe, but that's how much I spend in a month and a half <laughs> on my other habit, you know? Now, but part of it, too, is that you do, if you get into it, one thing I like about pipes, and I think we mentioned this in the last episode, is that you do have to kind of have a collection. Like if you smoke regularly, I don't think one pipe does it. First of all, you don't really get to experience, you know, the tobacco just smokes differently depending on the pipe that you have. Um, like I have some pipes that I use just for spe specific tobaccos and then other pipes for other tobaccos. Uh, but also part of it is just like building up that collection, which is kind of fun. Our last episode, I think we talked a little bit about our collections. And oh, yeah. to eventually have just like a really nice artisan pipe from someone like Grant Batson or, you know, pick whatever, whatever people you were mentioning, you know, if you just really wanted Lou's to support. Yeah, exactly. If you wanted to support good old Lou um, in, his, uh, in his talents, you know, it'd be worth it to spend, you know, several hundred dollars on something like that. But people, I, I don't think. Know. Yeah. Oh, no, no, finish, finish. No, I, I was going to say, what I, what the purpose of me bringing all that up is I think the vast majority of people like, would see a $70 pipe and be like, well, yeah, what, what's the difference? You know? 
and don't realize the amount of handwork and labor and hours that go into making a quality pipe. Yeah, if you're just looking to smoke some pipe tobacco, don't buy an artisan pipe unless you have a ton of cash. Yeah, then by buy all means, for... reach out to M. Rivera Pipes. Yeah, by all means. <laughs> I could raise the prices if it means more to you. Yeah. Um, but you're buying, you're really buying a piece of art. It's a carving, um, but it's a functional piece of art. So it's supposed to smoke well. And so you're also paying for ideally the very best of that maker's engineering when it comes to a smoking experience. And yeah. the differences are minute. I mean, like I said, I have pipes, the first pipe I ever made, I still smoke. It looks like crap, but it smokes <laughs> fine. I, I enjoy smoking it, you know? Yeah, the third pipe you ever made, I still smoke, and it's yeah. fine, <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> Which, oh, I think I have the fourth or fifth one still for sale. Nice. Speaking of for sale, yeah. Um, in my hand, I'm holding my Devil Ants Morta, which I was retailing for three fifty. Oh, man, come on. I'm about to light this up. Yeah, you're going to break it in right here on the Bear Ash podcast? I'm willing to break this ash open. This uh, this pipe, let's see, the button came out really well, so that's where the bite zone is. And I mean, I like I said, I can go on and on about hand cut stems, but on the inside, all the internals are filed out. Um, it the hole is very narrow towards the bite end, and then kind of um, flattens and then fans out, so it's the same amount of air moving through. Again, reducing that turbulence. I'm gonna light this puppy up. Do it. Oh, that's very satisfying. Ooh, what are you smoking in that pipe for its first smoke? Oh, this is her favorite from Dewey Ave Smoke Ooh. Shop. And, yeah, this is the second nice pipe I've ever kept for myself. Um, all the other pipes that I have that I've made that I've kept for myself are ones that have been, you know, flawed or something's wrong with them, but I know they'll still smoke fine. Yeah. I just keep those because no one will know, you know, if there's a little flaw in the chamber. I don't care. I'm a pipe maker. I just make a new one if it, if it burns through. Yeah. So um, I, I, this is the second one that I've completed that's like a nice pipe that I would sell that I'm actually keeping for myself. Nice. So I'm just lighting the top, just fluffing the tobacco. Well, I'm proud of you, Manny, because I feel like it's been about probably a couple years I've been trying to convince you to keep that pipe. Mm-hmm. And I don't own it. I don't own a Devil Ants, but this is my design of Devil Ants. Yeah. So I watched the the History Channel series, the Hatfields and McCoys, and I mean, I kid you not, I took well, you've seen my barn. I took pictures of Kevin Costner at various angles holding the pipe. Yeah, this was before Google. No. <laughs> well. I don't mean know the if you story know of the Hatfield and McCoys? No, I don't know if you know this, but you could have just Google imaged, Google search imaged Kevin Costner <laughs> right. smoking that pipe. But hey, right. you know, I didn't, I didn't physically photograph Kevin Costner <laughs> with my camera at various angles, but from the movie on YouTube, you can take screenshots. <laughs> Which still sounds like a lot of extra work to me. <clears throat> Dude, no. So I blew up the image and I printed it out on several pieces of paper. And I basically assumed that Kevin Costner's hand is around the same size as my hand and then did uh, proportion measurements and looked at his face. 
and basically drew this up. Now, I made some changes to it because uh, you're right. I think he just <clears throat> got that pipe, that I, that now iconic pipe from wherever they were filming in Turkey. I don't think it was anything particularly special, but it was kind of a unique shape, especially for the U.S. market where this story is most popular, and that is the nose warmer cutty. And yeah. so he he used it as a as a as like a piece of the character. You know, he'd hold the pipe, he'd point at people with the pipe. He always had the pipe in his mouth while he's working. Yeah, or in his hand. And I felt like the shank was a little too thin. And I felt like although he probably had no problem smoking it for the duration of the movie. If your saliva is constantly wetting the wood shank and then it's constantly drying and wetting and drying on the outside of the pipe, that might be an area where it could crack at some point. Yeah. So I made the shank on the pipe just a little wider and a little shorter and made the stem a little wider and a little longer. That way your mouth is only on the the ebonite part or the it's basically a hardened rubber, which is the material yeah. that a stem is made of. Which I think on his, his mouth was often on the actual wood. I know, that's what, I mean, I'm sure it worked great for that, and it's a cool design, but yeah, I don't think holding the wood in your mouth is going to make the pipe last much longer. No. I do have to say, when I look at mine, I do leave quite a bit of bite, I mean, I do this with all my pipes, but I leave quite a bit of bite marks on the, uh, on the stem. I will say it's smoking well so far. Nice. As it should. So, one of the things, if you were looking to get into pipe making. Yeah. What are some of the things you would throw need? Out a few. What? What are some of the things you might need if someone were to be getting into pipe making? Let's say, well, let's that. say a novice. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was, I was going to say, um, there's a few resources that I learned from and that are really cool to check out. One of them is called pipedia yeah like a knockoff of wikipedia but all about pipe stuff like wikipedia is that about wookies it's all about star wars man yeah well i guess <laughs> so yeah. i'm not on pipedia for some reason no one's nominated you but they do have a huge section of pipe makers by country and by name <clears throat> and there are some really obscure obscure ones listed on there, even some pipe makers where there's no information to be found, but there are clearly pipes made by this individual. Um, it's pretty interesting. They have Pipedia um, has all kinds of uh, definitions, shapes, history of pipes, really interesting stuff. Yeah. And then there's also the Pipe Makers Forum, which I used to be really active on, and I haven't been on in years, but it's a great place to get um, feedback, instruction. Um, the other people on that website are extremely critical of any pipe that someone posts and will immediately tell you what's wrong with it. <laughs> so just be prepared. Are they people who also make pipes, or are they just people that are waiting just to crap at everyone else's? They're mostly people who make pipes, but there's oh. a lot of... Um, how can I say this without checking the explicit box on the podcast negative nancy's negative nancy's sour pusses 
um, they just are. They're dicks. Up, <laughs> they're they're on the page and they're relentless. Yeah. But I I mean I didn't mind. I I mean I was really interested at getting better at pipe making, so I wanted that feedback. But if you're not prepared for it, they're pretty brutal. Um, and then they do cool pipe exchanges. Uh, with other pipe makers, and then you—it's always about critique. They're always critiquing each other. Which you is actually fine. have a pipe that you didn't exchange with, correct? From that same forum. Uh, yep, that was through that forum. That was—I had a pipe exchange with um, Stefan Mueller. I believe he's out of Germany, and the theme that year was making a fruit or vegetable pipe. Yeah. So <laughs> he made uh, an eggplant, which was pretty witty. Um, it's kind of a cool looking pipe and he did acrylic work at the time. So the, he made like acrylic leaves as part of the shank. Yeah. Um, and they made a really cool stem and then my wife dropped it and broke the stem. Oh, off. come on. So that is currently in repair. I, uh, what I made that went to him was a cantaloupe pipe. Which honestly um, might be one of my favorite pipes that you've made. I, I've, obviously I've only seen the pictures. I've never saw it in person. Dude, honestly, I really like. I felt bad sending that pipe away to a guy who simply said it's a little big, which, which is the critique I got. <laughs> so I felt I never did the pipe yeah, exchange so again. So was an eggplant, like, bonehead. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it was a nice pipe, um, but uh, yeah, the only feedback he has was it's a little big, and I I kind of regret sending it because I really liked it. I kind of wish that I'd gone to someone who might have uh, valued it a little more. But, um, yeah, I tried to make it look as much like a cantaloupe as I could, and then I remember uh, photographing it next to, like, a cut-up cantaloupe with a knife in it. <laughs> that was pretty good. But, um, yeah, it's a cool – the Pipe Makers Forum is a cool resource. If you're looking to get into pipe making – Well, hold on, hold on. You're going to need – Hold on. What? Okay, I, I'm sorry. I, I think you should break this down because not everyone is going to be able to get all the tools that you have or have the space that you have to do it. So I think it would be good to give like beginners pipe making tools needed. And then, hey, if you really want to get into this, this is what you got to get. Well, um, thanks for telling me how to educate people on pipe making. Well, someone's got to. Um, you're right. If you, yes, if you really do everything from scratch, meaning you start with a block of briar and some rod stock for a stem, you need a lot of tools and you need a lot of experience and just time doing this stuff. Um, if you want to get into it to try it, I think the way to go is to buy a pre-drilled pipe kit. Yes. So it's a block of briar drilled with a tobacco chamber of the size of your choosing and then mounted with a stem of the size of your choosing. There's a bunch of people that do this. I think Steve Norse does it from Vermont Freehand. He does, yeah. Yep. Uh, he does really. He does a nice job. He makes his own pipes too. I think he does a lot of stuff. I think he's like caretaker for some property and has a whole business of selling materials and he makes pipes. Um, but yeah, you, you could start with a pre-drilled kit. So that way you don't have to worry about finding center and getting all the bits and getting a lathe or a specialty drill press and doing all that. And then like you don't have to worry about um, uh, drilling the mortise and then milling the tenon onto the stem or gluing the Delrin rod inside the stem. It's all done for you. Yeah, you can even pick. And, um, I don't know if it was from Steve Norse, but at least when I got a couple of them from your buddy Tim West over there. Um, I think that's his name, right? That's your boy, Tim West. My boy. Yeah, your boy. 
But uh, but you could even, depending on the style pipe you're looking to go for, you can get some that even the shank is matched up to the stem already. So really all you're having to do is shape the bowl. Yeah, when you order it, you can get a flush mount, which is where what you're talking about, where the stem is already a smooth transition to the shank. Um, you can get a freehand mount where it just kind of sticks in. Um, you can do a couple of different things. Yeah. And then there's different materials for stems you can pick from. There's acrylic and there's um, ebonite or uh, vulcanite is the other term, Yeah. Uh, which is basically a hardened rubber. So there's acrylic um, or there's like a hardened rubber, the vulcanite. Um, anyway, you, if you had a blank, then all you would need is uh, like some kind of rotary carving tool and a lot of time. And you just pick a shape, you know, pick a basic shape, and you want to try and get those proportions right. It's not as easy as it looks. And that's why I valued getting that outside input from the pipe makers for them is because you spend, you know, 30, 40 hours working on this super tiny piece of wood. It's hard to back away from it and notice things wrong with it or notice, like, why does that look weird that way? And it's just through, like, just trial and error that you figure out how to do that. Um, but you get a rotary tool. My first tool was like one of those little dr- the handheld Dremel tools. Are you, just, uh, are you drinking over there? What's that sound? What, my lips? <laughs> it sounds like you're trying to put your dentures back in. No, dude, I'm trying to suppress a burp, actually. Oh, just let it out. I switched... I switched beers to uh, Sprucifer from Three Heads Brewing. Nice. Also in Rochester, New York. You're just keeping and, it local uh, tonight. Yeah, I am, man. Keeping it local. Anyways, your first uh, rotary tool? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, a basic Dremel tool with like a like a, a burr grinding bit. And it just took hours and hours. And I made a whole pile of sawdust in my dorm room. <laughs> um, and then you got to get sandpaper. Um, start with 100 grit if you can do it, if not even uh, uh, coarse or grit, like 80. And very slowly <laughs> transition from one to the other. The worst thing is to have to go back. So you might as well be really tedious and make sure you got everything before you switch to the next grit. Um, once you get or to just really work on your rustification skills. Yeah, or you could just rusticate it and <laughs> call it a day. That's right. Um, but, yeah, you don't have to go all the way to 2,000. You could finish a pipe at 800 grit or 1,000 grit. And, honestly, you don't even need a buffer. You don't need to stain it. You don't even need to seal it, although I'd recommend it. The oils from your hand can do a pretty good job. It's going to develop a patina. You know, it's going to darken over time. Eric Nording. Um, sells pipes that are not finished for the purpose of just developing a patina from being held and smoked. Yeah. So you don't even really need to finish it, but you could sand it all the way. You could finish it with some Carnuba wax. Um, I didn't have a buffing wheel back then, so I just used like a, a little wheel and inside the Dremel tool, yeah. like a little buffing wheel to buff it on. I've even used, on the couple ones I made before being in the Rochester area, I used beeswax. Yeah, you can use beeswax. You can also use shellac. Yeah. As long yeah, as long as it doesn't go into the air chamber, shellac is a non-toxic uh, material. You, that's you don't want to use anything good. toxic. You, you don't want to use like a polyurethane or like uh, <laughs> anything like that on the. Pipe. Well, that would also completely use, seal the wood, which you also don't want to do, correct? 
Correct. You, it needs to breathe, and that's that's the advantage of using some of the waxes, and shellac allows it to breathe as well. Um, and then, yeah, any you don't want to get anything in the airway that's not supposed to be there. No wax, no drippings, no shellac, nothing in the tobacco chamber or airway, no no glue, no epoxy. can't be in there, or else, you know, you got to sand it all out or you're done. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you can buy a blank and just get to work on it. Um, I was going to say there are some really cool specialty tools that go into pipe making um, where if you're serious, um, you're going to want to look into. One of those would be a lathe. Um, yeah. I use a wood lathe, but I know metal lathes are very popular because of their precision, especially when it comes to drilling um, and, like, milling for pipes. Um, but I, I just have a wood lathe. It seemed like more fun, and it is, and so I use chisels, and I do it by hand, and I do the drilling on the lathe. Um, there's some cool tools made by a guy, Ken Lamb. And if I know his website is supposed to be lambpipes.com, but for some reason, when I went there a couple nights ago to look it up, it is now a scuba diving information website. Oh, maybe he's looking so for that, know. uh, Morta. <laughs> I don't know where uh, Ken Lamb went, but he makes all kinds of specialty sanders and tools, really high-end tools for pipe yeah. makers. Is that where you've gotten some of your bits and chucks for your lathe? I got a used Ken Lamb chuck um, that I think I figured out why it's used, but I still I, I make it work. Yeah, and they're pretty expensive. I think this chuck, brand new, would be around six or seven hundred dollars. Dang. Yeah, and it's just a chuck for the lathe. I got it for I think one hundred and fifty. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, you there's he he makes a sander like a slack belt sander, which is great for shaping, but it's also like eight hundred dollars. So, you know, I have like a Rikon one inch $99 sander that seems to do a job that that makes it work for me. Yeah. Um, then there's uh, some specialty sanders. There's a French wheel. There's some cool drill bits. There's tapered drill bits. Um, there's lathe chisels of all kinds to accomplish what you're doing. Um, different tobacco chamber bits and different styles of drilling tobacco chamber. It's pretty cool. Um, I, I usually, I've been buying all my tools from Steve Norse for a good 10 years now. Yeah. Um, so he yeah, does man, also I offer, I'm noticed on Instagram, he's been offering lots, which I'm just thinking about this, not as like great smoking pipes, but they're already kind of drilled out blanks that he has run into different imperfections in them. So he can't use them as pipes that he would sell. Um, but he, he is selling like, I mean, I don't know. It's probably like what? Like 15, 20 pipe blanks for like 21 bucks. 27 pipe blanks. Yeah. For $27 or something like that. So that might even be like getting onto something like that and just buying like a lot of kind of stuff that's been messed up just to play around with it. Because I mean, if you're buying a block of briar, what typically are you spending? Uh, depends on the grade if, and the quality and where it's from. Anywhere from 10 bucks to 40 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, so that's something that, I mean, I guess even if you're buying a blank, the blanks are going to cost anywhere from like 30 to, what, 70 At most, probably 50 or 60 Oh, well, never mind. I mean, unless you prefer, like, unless you specify a really high-end piece of briar, but yeah. usually people buying the kits don't want to waste their money on something so high-grade. Yeah, so that might be a good way to get into it, too. I've actually thought about that as he's been posting those recently, about just buying a lot 
and just playing around with them. Because also, like you say, said, like they don't have to be perfect for you to smoke them, you know? I have a couple of uh, mistake pipes that were from your, uh, your pile of mistake pipes that I took and made it into a smoking pipe. Not, it's nothing I would ever <laughs> give anyone else, but, <laughs> but it's something I, I enjoy insulted. when mowing the grass. I was almost insulted when you're like, oh, I'll take those. And I'm like, no, don't, don't touch those. Those are disgusting. Those are to be thrown out. Uh-huh. And I, and I smoke one of them often. I know. It makes me sick. My, my friend Jay also uh, took one of those like pipes that I'd messed up and just wanted to make his own. And I, I was just, don't do it. Don't. I'll start you with a new one. Don't do that. Get, that's garbage. Hey, one man's trash uh, is another man's treasure, Manny. Sure is. Yep. Um... So, yeah, I don't, I mean, I have some Petersons, and I have the one from Stefan Mueller that I'm currently repairing. Yeah. But I don't really have, myself, any artisan pipes that I haven't made, um, really just because of the cost. Yeah. Um, if I had a 1000 bucks laying around, I would definitely buy a Lou Zafang pipe, no question. Yeah. Um, but I don't. And uh, I, what I was going to say is if someone is ever in the market for buying an artisan pipe, um, things to look for um, that would justify a kind of price point like 500 and up would be, you know, of course, the finish, the shape, um, the styling of it. Look for any flaws in the smooth areas. Look for how the carving was done. Um, you want the pipe, I mean, the name of the maker and the brand is worth something. So you do want to be aware of that, especially if you're a collector, but the one part, so like when I, when I go to a, uh, let's see, what am I thinking of? If I go to an Italian restaurant, I'm going to get the chicken Parmesan, not because it's the best thing, but because this is how I'm going to judge your establishment because I just always get the chicken parmesan as the first place. Like, that's the recipe I go to to get an impression of the restaurant. Yeah. If you want to get an impression of a pipe maker, you look at the button of the stem. So the button is the very tip, the end that's in your mouth. And you want to be able to see 90-degree um, angles at the back side of the button, which is very hard to do. So the, doing a hand-cut stem refers to using rod stock and doing everything from scratch. Yeah. And the end of the button is formed using files, really tiny, small files, and then specialty sandpaper um, implements. Or I really, I jerry-rig some sandpaper with like a nail file. But getting that button done well is really difficult and really tedious, and that's what you want to look for. Um, just to get, a, get an idea of the, the skill of the pipe maker and what to expect on the internals and engineering. Um, yeah, I'm pretty so, sure if you were to look through, if, if I'm not mistaken, you have probably a handful of buttons that are in various different stages of being made for more Devilance pipes. And I'm sure if you were to look through them, you could easily pick out the ones that I was quote unquote helping you with in my time in Rochester <laughs> area, because I very quickly was like, nope, not for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do have arthritis in my thumbs and I'm only 35. Yeah. Just because it's, I just grip it so hard, and I just very slowly and tediously sand those little back ends with like thousand grit. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's where you you can get a good idea of the quality of the maker. Um, at the rim of the bowl, it's always nice to have the uh, 
uh, chamfer, so like an angle going into the bowl. Um, a, every good pipe maker sands the inside of their tobacco chamber, no question. Yeah. Um, it is not something that you leave just after the drill bit. I don't sand mine smooth, though. I sand mine to usually 150 or 200, or what is it, 220. Yeah. Um, I don't want to sand it so smooth that nothing's going to stick to it, but I want to have some texture on the walls of the tobacco chamber so that the cake can form and develop. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, one of the things you want to look for is you look in the airway from the bite zone of the stem, and it shouldn't be just a straight hole. Um, it should be a slow-angled, like, funnel going into the air hole. Yeah. Um, and that's like from the outside looking in. Right. It should look like a like a funnel going in, like a wide funnel going in. And the reason for that is to decrease condensation. And that's really where you pay extra money um, for that hand-cut stem to be that intricate. And you take what, – what I do is they make bits for it. Steve Norse actually sells a great – um, airway filing tool, which I have a few of, but I also have these super tiny Swedish files that get in there and it's just a tedious work and one slip up and you take a gouge out of the button you just spent, you know, yeah. 10 hours doing. Those are some of the other ways you could tell the ones that I was working on. <laughs> There's not much like of that big, was done. No, not yeah. big gouges, just not much work in general. Oh. <laughs> So, yeah, that's uh, something to look for. Um, Calabash pipes are probably some of the most expensive designs because of how they form and function. Uh, a real Calabash has, like, a bowl that friction fits inside of the stem of the pipe. So you can it's like a false – it's hard to explain, but it's almost like a double boiler with tobacco in the top. Yeah. And everything has to fit perfect, and they're usually beautiful. The Sabina Santos out of Portugal specializes in calabash pipes, I've noticed. And hers are absolutely beautiful. And right. I don't actually know if they're – I assume that they're functional, meaning there's like a big airspace underneath this removable bowl. Yeah. But I'm not actually sure. Yeah, do you want me to go on and on and on and on and on and on and on about drill bit sizes and sandpaper grits? Because I could. Um, I don't know if I have that much recording capacity on my laptop, Manny. Or brain capacity. Yeah, well, I definitely don't have that. Um, I will say, just to mention, um, I use, if you're curious, a 5 16th inch uh, mortise uh, and tenon. And I use Delrin rods for the tenon material inside of the stem. And uh, sometimes for stainless steel tenons, it's quarter inch, so I use quarter inch as well. I use stainless steel for high heat areas, yeah. Um, and I use stainless steel for areas where the tenon's going to be exposed, where uh, like like uh, one section of a pipe goes to another one, and you just see the little tenon going across. I like that to be stainless steel. Yeah. Um, the airway, I think I I've used different different size airways but i always come back and prefer a 5 30 second airway so 5 30 seconds of an inch now is there a lot of variables for people that want to get into that that's kind of just standard it's pretty standard but there are variables um you can do you can do pretty close to that in different sizes i've i've used um well what's what's four thirty seconds one eighth 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've, I've used one eighth, um, which is fine. I, I don't know. For some reason, I always, I just always settle on five thirty seconds as an airway. I think that has like the good compromise of draw. You know, you don't want it too open, but you don't want it too tight. Because if it's too tight, the to, the carbon will build up and clog up quicker, like an artery. Um, so I like five thirty seconds. Yeah. And then tobacco chambers, you can get anywhere, any size from half inch to one inch and everywhere in between. Yeah, well, I did have a question when my wife's cousin was in town and he was looking at my pipe collection. He was like, does it really matter, like, you know, when you're, when you're smoking a pipe, does it really make a difference how it's made? <laughs> and I did tell him how, I said, look, I've got a buddy who makes pipes and I know, Manny, you have said that you don't necessarily want a lot of people asking you for pipes right now. But they can ask, but I can't make them. <laughs> I did say Although though, for the that, right price, <laughs> anchor quality, baby. <laughs> but uh, but I did say that when I said if you were to ever call my buddy Manny up and say that you want him to make a pipe, he would have a ton of questions for you based on how you like to smoke it, based on like you know, and that'll kind of determine the size, you know, what you smoke, like how smoky you want it to be. Like there's a lot of things that'll determine how you would make a pipe based on how someone wants that pipe to smoke. I said, so I think that every variable counts. That's a good point. And uh, I've actually, when people have asked me to make pipes, I've had to dial back and like hold back all the questions I have because I find that people actually are deterred by the amount of detail I want to go into this with them. <laughs> yeah, like so, everyone who's not hey, listening we... to this episode anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, like someone will say, Hey, uh, and then, and this has happened, you know, would you make a pipe for my dad? Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> is he a, is he a regular pipe smoker? Well, you know, sometimes he used to. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, does he, what kind of tobacco does he smoke? English, you know, aromatic. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Does he like, uh, you know, uh, really fancy stuff? Does he like really subtle stuff? Um, does he, you know, intend on smoking this every day? Um, does he have any other pipes already in his collection? Does he hold it in his mouth a lot or does he set it down? And these are all things that would go into what kind of pipe you want. And like what, what goes into the, the engineering. I keep burping. Easy this there, beer, buddy. It's delicious, but I'll tell you, those, those spruce tips. <laughs> they really get you? They really get you. <laughs> but yeah, I've had to. <clears throat> excuse there me. it is. Oh my goodness. I've had to like just hold back on all my questions and just nod and be like, oh, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, I know just yeah, the thing. They, they say, I would like all of that, and can it be under $60? That has <laughs> happened too. I've had so many requests, um, specifically online, where someone will email me and say, hey, you know, I'm looking uh, buying a pipe. I really like your design. Um, you know, I wonder if you can make me one in a couple months. And I'll say, sure. Here's what you're looking at. And so, you know, maybe they would have, uh, this happens a lot. Hey, I like your devil ants pipe. Will you make me one? Sure. How basic do you want it? What materials do you want it out of? Because the price ranges from 150 to 350 Yeah. And then I've had people ask to finance pipes, <laughs> um, which I've said surprisingly no. <laughs> no, you don't want to just go on someone's uh, word that they're going to send you the money in increments. IOUs, like Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. <laughs> so i've had people ask that and i've even said like you know 150 if you really want this i mean it is attainable i know it's a lot but i mean 
it takes me 15, 20 hours to make this pipe. So well, I've got I don't a buddy. You want. I've got a buddy back in Connecticut that you made a billiard for. Um, and I don't remember how much you charged him, but he's someone who's been smoking. I don't know. He's probably in his early 60s. Has been smoking a pipe for, let's say, at least 30 years, right? 150 bucks. I'll never forget that. It was an $150 pipe. Yeah. Oh wow, he got a good deal. Yes, he did. <laughs> but uh, but I, every time I talk to him, and every time he's ever smoked it, he's just like, "This is my favorite pipe that I've ever had." Well, that is very sweet. And uh, you know, I think no, maybe we should title this podcast episode, you know, "Props to Manny." Yeah. Well, maybe if Enververa Pipes actually funded. Well, I, I, I guess you know maybe he maybe Enververa Pipes did buy your microphone. But, you know, if there's an actual sponsor, I'd be willing to do that. Oh, I'll sponsor you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Although I can't really complain. Done. I think four of my pipes are Enververa pipes. I've only bought one of them. So, <laughs> so I, I guess you can consider me sponsored. One day I'll make it on Pipedia. But I'm not there yet. You know, maybe Pipedia is when I jack my prices up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I really could go on and on about pipe making, and uh, although I haven't been doing a lot of it lately, it's only because I've got little kids and other stuff going on, so it's hard to fit yeah. it in for something that isn't that lucrative, to be honest. Well, maybe someday. Maybe someday. You know, I got to turn out more of those anchors. That's what you got to do. You got to get the right stamp for it. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Every pipe I make is an anchor quality. Yeah, so hey, I think we should probably wrap this up because it's been yeah, it's me too. Been a, it's been a long episode. Um, I yeah, have since sorry. moved inside as it was a little too frigid outside, and my laptop was about to die. But um, I mean, wh- what would you say about your new pipe that you just broke in? Oh, dude, this tastes great. This is a great smoking pipe, and I'm not. I mean, this is me critiquing my own pipe, but you got this the is real one that I was of that also morta in there. <laughs> What's that? You get the flavor of the morta in there. I can taste taste the uh, the bog, the bog, the five thousand BC bog, the Ukrainian Croatian mud. Um, it's pretty cool. It actually tasted great. I got a little bit of gurgling, but this is the first time it's ever been smoked. So I smoked the whole bowl, and I didn't get any liquid in my mouth, just a little gurgling in the stem. So I'm gonna let it rest. I'm gonna throw a pipe cleaner in there, and usually by the I don't know, anywhere between five and ten bowls, that gurgling pretty much stops after you develop a carbon layer in there. Yeah. Um, so if I'm critiquing my own pipe, I'm I'm pretty pretty impressed, honestly. <laughs> it's, it's really good. I'm glad I kept it. Yeah, well, I know I've had mine for about four, five, four to five years, four and a half years maybe, and I love it. It's probably one of my favorite pipes to smoke. And I love you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, buddy. I think on that note, we should play, us, play out. us out. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening if you're still there. And, uh, yeah, next time we'll get on to a cigar. Get back yeah, to some word. reviews. Maybe do a little, uh, a little uh, what are they, little monster. Skinny oh. monster. There we go. Tatuaje skinny, skinny monster, monster from Tatuaje. Let's, let's hey, try that out next time. Leave us a negative review and we'll read it. Yes, we will. We won't only read it. We will feature it. Ready? <laughs> Play us out. Hey, 
good night and thanks for tuning in. Ha, 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 ha.